You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Well, Happy New Year. This is 2021, and I believe that it's going to be your best year up until this point. Will you stand in agreement with me? Come on, let's say that. This will be my best year up until this point. I'm excited about the new year because at the end of the year, I always, I always spend some time praying and asking God and trying to find out from God what he wants, what he wants me to do for the year. And I believe that the spirit of God wants me to talk about godly prosperity this year. Now, here's what he told me. He said, now you, you plan, but be led by the spirit. So that's what we do. We have a plan. We spend time before God, try to discern what he wants us to talk about, the theme for the year. And then as we navigate through the year, as he directs us, we're able to shift any way he wants us to go because we're going to be led by the spirit. But we're going to be focusing on godly prosperity of this year. I began a series this past Sunday entitled Prospering in Bad Times. So listen. You're going to get blessed. No doubt in my mind, you're going to get blessed this year. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus. I want you to be diligent. And I want you to continue. And at the end of the year, I give you a guarantee you're going to be blessed. We're going to begin a series today entitled False Beliefs That Rob Believers of Their Financial Inheritance. False Beliefs that rob believers of their financial inheritance. Now, listen at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 12 through 13. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12 through 13. It says, The Lord God shall open unto you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain unto the land in the seed in his season and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend unto many nations and you shall not borrow. And the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath. This is God's will. I believe not just for Israel, his chosen people, but I believe this is God's will for you as a believer. It is God's will to bless you out of his good treasure in heavenly places, but it's also God's will to bless the works of your hands. It is God's will to make you a lender and not a borrower, and it's God's will that you be the head and not the tail. So when we look at God's will for you, we see three promises. Number one, God promises you and the church, and, and I'm challenging the church, that he wants to bless you 
with material prosperity. We know that he's concerned about our spiritual well-being. We know that he wants us to live a life that's upright and a life of holiness. We know that it is his plan for us to spend eternity with him. We know that. But what I'm focusing on and what I believe God is promising you, he's promising you to bless you with, and the church, with material prosperity. He's also promising to put you in a position to help others. That's what lending and not being a borrower means. He wants you to be in the helper position. And then thirdly, he wants you and the church to be in leadership, to be in leadership. He says you'll be the head and not the tail. One text says that you'll always be on top and not be on the bottom. Always on top and not the bottom. Now, listen at this. God connects in the text, Deuteronomy 28, verses 12 through 13, God connects material prosperity with leadership. He connects material prosperity with leadership in the world. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 15 through 16, said that the poor man's wisdom is despised. So material prosperity is God's will for the believer. Material and financial prosperity is God's will for the church. Material prosperity is also connected to leadership being a leader in the world and having influence. Now, when you think about uh, the church, the body of Christ, what do you think about? Do you see us as the church blessed with material prosperity to the point where the world recognizes it? Do you see the, the church uh, being the lender and not the borrower? Do you see the church being the head leadership and not the tail? No, we don't see that in the church. Well, there's a parable that Jesus taught over in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 25. He says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheats and went his way. Says so a, a good man sowed good seed, but while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares, and tares really resemble is a weed that resembles wheat. He sowed tares among the wheat. You know, when I was meditating on this and I thought about this, we were asleep. When we were lost, we were asleep to the things of God. We were dead to the things of God. And before we came into the kingdom, Satan planted weeds in our thinking. He planted the weeds of insufficiency. And I was talking about this uh, Sunday in uh, my renewal. Satan planted 
a not enough mentality. He, he planted a just enough mentality. He planted a good enough mentality. He planted a poverty mentality. So when we came into the kingdom, once we got into the kingdom, we received Christ. We were born again on the inside in our spirits, but we had a mind that was out of alignment with God's will. So we were talking Sunday about mind renewal, the law of mind renewal, which means we, it's a renovation, replacing our old way of thinking with God's new way of thinking. Now, what I want to do in my podcast series, I want to begin to assist you in the mind renewal process. So here's what I need you to do, because we're going to be talking about false beliefs that robs believers of their financial inheritance. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to focus on what I'm teaching. I need you to not compare me with what others are teaching. And I need you to, to, to not get bothered by repetition because a big part of my renewal is repetition because I am attempting to help you to renovate your thinking and align your thinking with God's way of thinking. So don't get offended at the repetition and do this for me. Don't say, well, you know, I heard that. I heard you talk about that. I know that. We're not shooting for you just knowing truth, understanding truth. It is our goal that you manifest the truth, wishing for manifestation. So we're going to look at things, things that Satan has planted in our minds that we brought into the kingdom uh, uh, that needs to be renovated, needs to be torn out. So let's talk about the first false belief. The first false belief that we want to look at today is money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. That's a false belief. Now, let's, let's think about this for a moment. I keep a journal that uh, my journal goes all the way back to the 1980s. And uh, God said something to me that I like to reiterate to you. God said this to me years ago. He said, the subject of money is unpopular. The subject of money is unpopular. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Why is the subject of money unpopular? Do you think the subject of money is unpopular? And I got my uh, iPad here. You can send me your thoughts about it. Why is it that people, Christians, struggle with the topic of money, talking about money, learning about money, teaching on money, why is the subject of money an unpopular subject? Another thing the Spirit of God said to me, he said, prosperity comes with persecution. 
He said, prosperity comes with persecution. Well, everyone is trying to prosper. Everybody wants to prosper. Think about it. We want our children to get an education, get a degree, because we want them to prosper. We work on jobs, and we want promotions, and we want increase in pay because we want to prosper. So why is it that persecution comes with prosperity? And then the Spirit of the Lord said to me, deal with the money issue. Now, in spite of the fact he told me that the subject of money is unpopular, but at the same time, later on, he said, deal with the money issue. Now, I believe one of the, the reasons that the subject of money is an unpopular theme, especially in the church, is because of the abuse some Christians see, how Scripture is abused, and how sometimes Christians are uh, merchandised through teaching in order to get money from them. So because they're uh, abused, some Christians are drawn away from it. They don't want to hear about money because they're looking at the abuse of how ministers may abuse the scripture or might fleece the flock and all that. But listen at this. There cannot be a counterfeit without there being a genuine. You've heard the saying, don't toss the baby out. Don't toss the baby out with the bath water. Well, the truth of the matter is if the bath water is dirty, Toss the water out. Get new clean water in, but don't toss the baby out. In other words, just because some may take the scriptures and abuse it doesn't mean that there's not a genuine. I think there's another reason why the subject of money is unpopular is because we've taken scriptures that were cautions, cautions, like a caution like you're driving, your automobile, you come up to a signal light, and the yellow light is a caution. It means to proceed through carefully, watchfully. We've taken scriptures that were cautions, and we turned them into red lights, stop lights. And I think that what we need is clarity on the scriptures. Now, I'm going to be talking about money. I'm going to say money. I'm going to talk about money. And I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down. Money is the currency of the earth. Money is the currency of the earth. Faith is the currency of heaven. Money is the currency of the earth. Faith is the currency of heaven. In this life, in this life, you are going to have to have money because money is the currency of the earth. In other words, to maintain your household, to pay your bills, to have your personal needs met, 
you're going to have to have money. You work a job. Most of you are not volunteering. You're working a job. You want money because money is the currency of exchange. Whatever you engage in in this earth, your dream, your goal, it can be a spiritual ambition. It can be a goal. It can be a ministry ambition. But at some point, you're going to need money because money is the currency of the earth. Faith is the currency of heaven. When you have faith, you can get anything you need in the earth. If you have faith in God, and that's what the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. So what I want to do is I want to help you to understand money. I want you to understand what God is really saying about money. It is a false belief that money is the root of all evil. But let's look at what the scripture says and let's clarify some things as it relates to money, wealth, and material possessions. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10, and then later we'll look at verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, but they that will be, W-I-L-L-B-E, they that will be rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful loss, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Now, in verse 11, it says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Okay, now, we got to look at that text, and we got to dissect it. We got to pull it apart. We got to evaluate it. We got to understand it. What is the text saying? So the the first part of the text, it says, they that will be rich, will be rich. Notice it does not say they that are rich. It says they that will be rich. The words will be rich means a fixity of purpose. It means to set your mind exclusively on one thing. In other words, you're setting your mind exclusively on one thing. It means to have one goal in life. One goal in life. Just one goal in life. It means to concentrate on the accumulation of wealth as an end in itself. To to concentrate on the accumulation of wealth as an end in itself. Now, they that will be rich speaks to three things, three things. It speaks to idolatry. It speaks to covetousness. 
and it speaks to materialism, idolatry, covetousness, materialism. This is a warning against idolatry, covetousness, and materialism. Now, idolatry is money and things-centered rather than God-centered. It is money and things-centered rather than God-centered. Now, many Christians who don't realize it have made money an idol, the accumulation of money an idol. They work jobs and, and, and they care for their business and they have no time for God. They don't have time for church. They don't have time for scripture reading. They don't have time for prayer because they are trying to accumulate money. They are trying to accumulate wealth. There are many Christians that fall in that category. Many Christians that fall in that category. There are Christians who pursue a degree and they stop going to church. They pursue a degree and they, they don't have time for anything else. That is a form of idolatry. That is being money and things centered rather than God-centered. In fact, there are people who have no time for their marriage, no time for their children, because they are trying to accumulate wealth. They are trying to get money. That's idolatry. Now, covetousness is greed, and that's what the text is warning us against. Idolatry, covetousness, and materialism. Covetousness is greed. Now, what is greed? If I ask you, okay, what is greed? I bet you will say, wanting to have more, just wanting to have more. you just not satisfied with what you have. No, that's not greed. That's not greed. Greed is desiring more for self only. Now, listen, you should desire more. You should desire more on your job. You should desire more in your business. You should desire more money. There is nothing wrong with desiring more money. Greed is not desiring more money, more wealth. That's not greed. Greed is the desire for more for self only. If I am desiring more for self only, that's greed or covetousness. This is also a warning against materialism. Materialism. I go through these terms because Christians don't always, they, they, they say things like you're materialistic or that's materialism, but they don't know what materialism means. So materialism is not desiring or having things. In fact, Jesus said, listen at this. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and, all, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So materialism is not having things. Materialism is not having an abundance of things. Hopefully, 
before this year out, you will agree with scripture that God wants you to have an abundance of things. Now listen at this. Materialism is an attempt to satisfy a spiritual need with material things. You can have a bunch of things and not be materialistic. It is when you're trying to satisfy something on the inside of you with a material thing. In other words, you think if I get this kind of house or this kind of car or this kind of job or this kind of position, I'm going to be important. I'm going to feel value. I'm going to feel worth. Now, what you're trying to do now is you're trying to get things to satisfy a spiritual need. Your worth is not in the house, it's not in the car, it's not in the job, it's not in the position. Your worth is the fact that you're in Christ, you're God's child. And being God's child, you have worth in Christ, not in any kind of thing, any kind of thing. So if you're trying to get something to feel better about yourself, you're trying to achieve something so you will feel important, you'll feel worth, then that's materialism. Materialism is an attempt to satisfy a spiritual need with material things. And, and that's why you have ungodly people, some ungodly people that are extremely wealthy yet unfulfilled unhappy, and sometimes they're suicidal because material things cannot satisfy a spiritual need. Only God and your position in God can satisfy a spiritual need. Now, listen at this. The text doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. The text says the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil and idolatry, covetousness, and materialism are the symptoms of the love of money. And guess what? You can, you can commit this sin, the love of money, and be broke. You can commit this sin and be homeless. You can commit this sin and be poor. You don't have to be rich to love money. Now listen at this. In the text, it says, flee these things. Flee these things. In 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, and verse 11, if the operative verse, verse 11, it says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. What things? Some people say, well, the money thing. No, 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 no. Flee the idolatry. Flee the covetousness. Flee the materialism. Flee these things. So now that we push those things off the table, push those things off the table. 
Let's talk about money. Money is not evil. I have a $100 bill. This is a $100 bill. It's, it's paper. It is a medium of exchange. It's, it's paper. Uh, it's a medium of exchange. It is the, the currency in the earth. With this, I can exchange goods and services. I, I can uh, have an exchange of, I can, as far as this $100 will take me, I can purchase, I can buy things with this $100. It, it is a, a, the currency of the earth. Now listen at this. Money is not evil. This is not evil. This is amoral. In other words, money is neutral. Money is neither good or evil. This money is not good. This money is not evil. It is almost immoral. Now listen at this. Money only wants and has the ability to do what its possessor wants to do. This money only has the ability to do what I want it to do what I want the money to do. The money is not deciding what it's going to do. It's a thing, but it only has the ability to do what I, the possessor, want it to do. Money is ready to do good or evil at the possessor's discretion. Is only able, is willing, is ready to do good or evil. I can take this money and I can buy drugs with it. I can buy dope with it. I can buy marijuana with it. Or I can take this money and buy groceries for a hungry family. You see, this, this money is ready to do good or is ready to do evil at the possessor's discretion. Now listen at this. Money is whatever its possessor is. This money is whatever I am. It's a reflection of me. It's a reflection of who I am. If I am upright, if I, am, I love God, if I want to please God, if I want to help people, if I want to bless people, then this money will be a reflection of me. If I have a bad heart and I want to uh, sleep with prostitutes, if, if I want to gamble it away or whatever, the money is just a reflection of me. The money is who the possessor is. Now, listen at this. More money, if I get more hundreds, more hundreds of dollars, if I get more money, come on, say more money. If I can get more money, then that more money will manifest or magnify who I really am. And that's all it is. So many Christians are afraid of money. You're afraid of having money. You, you think it's like, I don't want all that money. 
I, you know, I, I don't need all that money. I don't need all that. You know, it ain't about all that, you know, because you, you see it as evil. You, you see the money as evil and you think you're being humble by saying things. I, re I remember uh, as a young Christian, my mind was nowhere near renewed. I had an old mindset and, and I was a baby Christian. And I remember at this job, I was uh, out in the hallway on my lunch break, sitting up against the wall. And I remember telling God, I don't want much in life. I just want to be comfortable. I don't want much in life. I just want to be comfortable. And in my heart, I just thought that was so spiritual that I wasn't asking for much of this. See, I didn't want much of this. I just wanted enough of this to be comfortable, you know? And I thought that was being spiritual because some, there was something in my psyche that told me if I had more of this, it, will, it, will, it was it was, it was going to ruin me because when you look at these scriptures, it, it connects words like temptation and snare and trap and lust and destruction and perdition uh, and evil and erring from the faith. And so we thought it was the money. We thought it was the money that was the temptation. We thought it was the money that was the trap. We thought it was the money that would bring destruction. We thought it was the money. No, 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 no. He's talking about your attitude toward the money. He's talking about how you use the money, and we'll see that in Scripture later. He's not talking about the money. Now, the money is neutral. Listen at this. Gasoline. I, I got a I got a, a tank of gas. I got a a, a, a a container of gasoline. Is that container of gasoline evil or is it good? It is immoral because you can pour the tank of gas. You can pour the container of gas in your automobile and drive your automobile, uh, or you can spread that gas around your house, light a fire, and burn your house down. It was not the gas. The gas was neutral. Baseball bat. You got a baseball bat. You can take that baseball bat and you can hit a baseball and enjoy the game of baseball. Or you can take that baseball bat and hit somebody across their head with the bat. The bat was not manufactured and created to hit somebody across the head with it. But you can do that. But it's not the baseball bat, so you wouldn't put the baseball bat in jail. You wouldn't put the baseball bat in prison. Why? Because it wasn't the baseball bat. It was a person who was handling the baseball bat, an automobile. We drive automobiles all the time. They're necessary. They're good. But you can also take an uh, automobile and kidnap somebody. You can take an automobile and rob a bank. You can take an automobile and drive it through a crowd of people and hurt people. It's not the automobile. It's the driver. In the same way, it's not the money. You don't have to be afraid of the money. The money is not bad. The money is who you are. So I want to ask, ask you a question. If you were God and you wanted to give $100 to somebody, 
and you had two people you could give it to. You could give it to an ungodly person who doesn't believe in God, doesn't love God, don't, doesn't care about God, or you can give it to a Christian, a believer, who loved God and want to please God. Who would you give this $100 to if you were God? If you were God, you would give it to somebody who's in alignment with you because you believe that that person would use this $100 bill for good, not evil. Now listen at this. In Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, the Bible says that Jesus was walking through, he was walking through the, the city and preaching the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that there were certain women who were partners with him, were sowing into his ministry out of their resources. So the scripture says that the women were helping Jesus to preach the gospel out of their resources. In Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan, the Bible says that a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves. The thieves uh, wounded him and left him half dead. Levite came by, looked on him, passed by. Priest came by, looked on him, passed by. But a good Samaritan came by, saw the man, was moved with compassion, moved in toward him, bandaged up his wounds, poured in oil as a medicine for his wounds, put him on his own horse or mule, rolled him to the inn, paid the innkeeper to care for him. Think about it. This man, the Bible says, was a friend. This man, the Good Samaritan, was a friend. This man was merciful. How was he able to be merciful? He was able to help the wounded man because he had something. He possessed something. He had money. He had money. He had resources. And so with the resources, he was able to help the man. If you saw the man and you didn't have a horse or didn't have a mule, you saw the man, you didn't have wine or you didn't have oil, you saw the man and you didn't have money to help the man, you would have said, I'll pray for you. But your prayers is not going to change that situation. You need resources to change the situation. That's why the church is under such an attack. Satan doesn't want you to have resources to support your families, to support your local church, to help the poor. He does not want you to have resources. So he wants you to think this is evil. No, when you understand it, when you understand the purpose of money, you will want more of it. You will believe for more of it. And God is not going to call you greedy. God is not going to be upset at you. No, he'll give you more. But some of you, you'll never get more because you have an aversion to it. You think it doesn't take all that. I don't need all that because you're thinking selfishly. You think you're being spiritual, but you're thinking selfishly because you're thinking about yourself. Now, I want to I close this lesson out because we're going to take our time on this. 
It is a false belief that money is the root of all evil. That is a false belief. Now, listen at 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 through 18, and I'll close with this text. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 18. God said through the Apostle Paul to Timothy by the Holy Spirit, charge them, verse 17, that are rich in this world. I'm glad that he said in this world because some of us would have said, that's talking about spiritual riches. No, 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 no. He said, charge them that are rich in this world. Now, if rich is wrong and if having money and wealth is wrong, what he's going to tell them, get rid of the wealth. Throw the wealth away. Stay away from the wealth. Don't try to get any more wealth. Now watch what he says. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. That's an attitude. God is concerned about our attitude. He said, charge them to not be high-minded. Don't be arrogant. Don't look down on people because you're doing well, because your job is to pull people up, not look down on them. In other words, don't be high-minded. Don't think that you can't associate with certain people because you're in a different class. No, he said, charge them that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. So he says now, don't be high-minded. Talking to the rich, don't be high-minded. He said, don't trust it. Don't put your trust in the uncertain riches. He said, now this will change. He says, the economy will change, circumstances will change, all that will change. So he says, don't put your trust in this. Don't put your trust in this. It's uncertain. He says, but in the living God. So even though God gives me the money, and he'll give me a lot of it, and he'll give you a lot of it if your mind is renewed. Now watch this. He says, now, once I give it to you, I give you more of it, but you cannot be high-minded and don't put your trust in it. Don't, don't, don't let it decide what you're going to do in life. He said, trust the living God. So you're going to always be looking to God no matter how much you have. You're going to be looking to God. You're going to be trusting God. Now watch this. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. He said, now I'm going to give you all things to enjoy. He says, I'm going to increase you with money so you can enjoy this life I've given you. No, he didn't say you got to give it all away. He said, I want you to enjoy the life. I want, you to, I want you to enjoy this life. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy this beautiful world. Take vacations. Have a beautiful home. He said, I want you to enjoy this life. Enjoy this life. Now watch this. He says, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And then verse 18, he said, to the rich, charge them that they do good. Do good. See there? See, you can do evil, but he said the rich, these are rich Christians. He's not talking to the rich unsaved people. He's talking to rich Christians. He said, do good with it. Do good with your wealth. Now watch this. And that they be rich in good works. Rich in good works. You see, 
God intends for believers to take the money and do good with it. But he wants us to have plenty of it so we can be rich in good works. We can do a lot of good things with the money that he gives us. He says, ready to distribute it, willing to communicate, ready to distribute, willing to share. So you have a mindset now that God is not just blessing me to enjoy the life. He wants me to be a distributor. He wants me to be a resource for others, a, a, a resource for others. He says, be ready to distribute. He said, I'm going to put it in your hand and you be ready to distribute. And he said, you don't going to have to worry about you because I want you to richly enjoy all things. I'll take care of you. The, the, the water that flows through the, the hose the water that flows, think of a garden hose, the water that flows through the garden hose out into the garden always wets the inside of the hose first. The water flowing through the hose is going to wet the inside of the hose. You're going to get blessed. You ain't got to worry about you. But you want it to flow through you into the garden of the world, into the kingdom of God. You want it to flow through you, and he says, be ready to distribute and willing to communicate. But what he's saying is the more of this you have, the more goods you can do. Now think about that for just a moment. The more of this I can have, the more good I can do. The more of this I have, the more good I can do. Do good, but because you have more, be rich in good works. Be rich in good works. You see, Satan wants you to not have money because he wants you to be poor in good works. If you don't have money, now you can pray for people, uh, you can minister healing to people, but you can't help them with their material needs. You can't help them. You just say, I bless you, or I talk to the church, go to the church, they'll help you. No, God wants you to help people. He wants you to be a blessing to people. Amen. I'll stop right there, but I got some questions. I got some questions. Often, here's a comment. Often, because of the, this abuse, some Christians think money is evil. I want material things as evil or not. God's will for the believer. Well, that, that's absolutely correct. People are looking at the abuse and they are withdrawing and running away from the genuine. They are looking at the cautions and turning the cautions into stop signs. Question, this is off topic, but Pastor, what are your thoughts on the COVID vaccine? Well, that's a little off topic, but I will say this. It, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I look at this no different than I will look at anything, okay? Um, I don't think it's wrong to take medicine, but I believe in divine healing. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the vaccine, but if you think there's something wrong with it, then you shouldn't do it. But I don't personally think anything wrong with it. 
Because even if you take the vaccine, you still got to be believing God. Even if I use medicine, I'm going to be believing God. So my personal opinion, and it's not a word from the Lord, my personal opinion, I don't have any problem with the vaccine because God used medical science to help us. Cold medicines, all these different kinds of things, uh, shots and all these kinds of different things. I don't see it as any different than anything else. That's my personal opinion. Uh, how do you know who to give money to? Who's truly a good person or a bad person, Christian versus non-Christian? Shouldn't we just shouldn't we just give freely? Well, you know, I am I am teaching on Sundays, and I hope you, the person who sent this in, can get our broadcast on Sundays. I am teaching on the subject. Uh, prospering in bad times, but I'm really dealing with some foundational laws, the foundation of prosperity in the kingdom. So I talked about the mind renewal. Uh, we're going to talk about the law of words this coming Sunday, but there's also the law of obedience to the Holy Spirit. In that lesson, I'm going to talk about looking on the inside of you. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and he wants you to be led by him, not led by appeals, not led by need, not led by emotions, but he wants you to be led by him. And I'm going to walk you through what that looks like, uh, the law of obedience to the Holy Spirit. And that's really the heart of the question you're asking. How do you know? As I'm led by the Spirit, I can know what God wants to do. I know who God wants to give to. I, I have a check when I'm not supposed to do it. And as you partner with him, he will train you and develop you on your giving. I don't think you should just give money just to be giving because you're giving. I think you should be led by the spirit and I'm gonna teach you how to do that. Um, is it also how we were brought up to believe that you don't need all that stuff? Yes, yeah, that's a good question. You, you're asking, the, the question was, does it have something to do with the way we were brought up? Absolutely, much of it has to do. For example, I had wonderful parents, godly, I mean, just beautiful parents, best parents in all the planet, okay? But they were not progressive people in terms of, success and prosperity and all that. My family, my parents were not educated people. I think they may have had at most a sixth grade education. So I was kind of raised in an environment and my father who was, I think the greatest man who walked the planet, my father didn't have, things didn't matter to him. I mean, he just didn't care about stuff like that. He was gonna take care of his family. And when you're raised in that kind of environment, and you don't have a whole lot, and you're in that environment, your, your mindset is trained. And then in church, it, there was this subtle thing that if you got something, you were going to backslide. If you got a Cadillac, Cadillacs were big when I was growing up. If you got a Cadillac, you must have did something wrong. So a lot of that it was on the inside of us growing up. So I had to really work to renew my mind 
I had to work real hard because my environment was not progressive. Uh, my church didn't communicate anything that motivated me to succeed. And so, yes, it has a lot to do. And that's why we have to be so diligent. And, 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 and I'm going to be very diligent this year because I know that some of you, your challenge is you're trying to overcome your upbringing. And if you stay with me and spend this year with me, I can help you break that off of you. Um, are you wrong if you're a believer and you know someone is giving you money that they send to get it? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, if I know you, you're sending to get money <clears throat> and you're going to give me the money, let's say you stole the money, you're going to give me the money, then I don't want the money you stole. I don't want the money that you stole. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't, I don't want the money you stole or cheated to get to give to me. You know, it, it, that's a deep question, and I don't have all the ramifications of what you're talking about. Uh, can you explain Matthew 19, 24? It's easier for a camel to enter heaven than a rich man. Uh, that's a good question. If you read Matthew uh, uh, 19, but it's also Mark 10. Read Mark's 10 account of that same scripture. And it talks about it's easier for a uh, it's easy for uh, it's easier for a camel to enter heaven than a rich man. It, it basically what it's saying. But if you read the text, the context was there was a young guy that came up to Jesus and asked him, "What must I do to have eternal life?" And Jesus said, "You know the commandments." Obey this, obey that. He said, I've done this. And then Jesus said, well, give to the poor what you have and then come follow me. And the Bible said the man was sad at that saying. In other words, he was a victim of, of idolatry, covetousness, and materialism. He, he, he was possessed by his money. He couldn't let it go even to follow Christ. And then Jesus says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom. But if you read the context in Mark 10, it's talking about a rich man who trusts his riches. It's not talking about a rich person, period. It's talking about a rich man who trusts his riches. It's hard for that person to enter into the kingdom. The trust is the issue because the Bible says that Jesus, that there was a disciple of Jesus at the end of his life. The tomb Jesus was buried in was a man named Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible clearly says that he was rich, and the Bible clearly says he was a disciple of Jesus. So it was not the riches. It was the trust in the riches. Great question. Uh, any other words for young people on financial prosperity? My thoughts on, on it is young people have to renew their minds just like everybody else. The principles that I'm teaching are uh, not related to age or gender or color or race. It's great. If a young person can get in the word at a young age, 
and understand the principles of the kingdom, the laws that I'm teaching on Sunday, the things that I teach on my podcast, if they can get that word in them early and parents, well, they don't understand. Not all they understand all this other stuff. They can understand the laws of the kingdom. If they can get that in their lives as children and teenagers, I'm telling you, they will walk in the fullness of it and they don't have to get all that junk out of them. So I, I think it's true for young people just like anybody else. I wish because I had a God consciousness and I was in church as a teenager, I wish because I was hungry, I wish I had been taught this as a teenager. I would have eaten it up. I would have eaten it up. I would have been so far. As a little child, I was taught the Bible, but I wasn't taught this. I wish I had been taught to tithe and to give as a, as a kid. Giving, a lot of times we don't teach our kids to give and, and to stand on the word. You can teach your children to give. You can teach them to stand on the word. You can teach them to make confessions and they can begin that as children, as teenagers. And I tell you, the word will work for them. It'll work for young people just like it'll work for anybody else. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll pick up next week. Love you.